Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Freshfields MedTech Podcast. I'm Vidya Kailasanath, a partner in the Silicon Valley office of Freshfields and usual host of the podcast. I'm excited to change things up a little bit today. Takeshi Nakao, a partner in our Tokyo office, will be asking me questions about MedTech trends and innovations with a particular focus on some exciting developments in Japan and the United States. I hope you enjoy our conversation. え、皆さんこんにちは。プレシピーズ東京オフィス代表パートナー中尾でございます。本日のポッドキャストですが、メドテックというテーマでお送りします。え、メドテックっていうのはメディカル医療ですね。それとテクノロジー、技術を組み合
there's great power in that. The connectivity, the potential for personalization is very exciting, but there are also risks that companies and innovators in this area face, whether it's cybersecurity or other regulatory considerations. Thank you, Benita. And also, I understand the US and Japan together account for more than half of the global medtech market. So it's, you know, the, the two countries are really the big players in this field. What are some trends that medtech or tech and life sciences companies active in the medtech space in the US and Japan should be following, you think? I really like this question and the observation. I think that is very natural that the US and Japan account for more than half of the global medtech market, right? Both have very pro-innovation cultures, as well as aging populations, which are a natural focus for medtech. I think both countries also have great enthusiasm for cross-border collaborations. One of the very interesting trends that I've been seeing is that many Japanese companies are moving elements of their medtech-focused businesses, for example, their therapeutic business headquarters, to the United States, actually, to be closer to some of the medical industry clusters, to have access to talent, and to really foster you know, these already very strong ties between the U.S. and Japan, particularly in this space. And I think, you know, stepping back and thinking even more broadly about you know, trends that companies in in the U.S. and Japan should be following. I think one is the very interesting innovation that's happening as we've come out of the COVID-19 pandemic and thinking about the long-term adoption of telehealth and remote patient monitoring technology. I think what the pandemic gave us was an opportunity to rethink healthcare at home aging in place, growing virtual care. And just also now what we've seen in the course of 2023 is how AI applications can really help to enhance the notion of allowing people to access care remotely, whether it's from a hospice or from the home, to avoid all of these kind of physical trips to see clinicians or hospitals, you get a greater access to healthcare in very organic, easy to use ways. And we're seeing a lot of innovation in things like smart homes. So I think a trend that companies in the US and Japan that are really innovative might be seeing is an interest in applications in healthcare and life sciences of technology that was not previously applied in the life sciences. Let's say you have smart home sensors that know when you walk by and turn on the lights in your house. You can see how that sensor may also then have a timer added to it to say, oh, if grandma doesn't walk by the sensor by 7.30 in the morning to make her tea, maybe something has gone wrong because grandma walks by by 7.30 every single day. And once you start having a smart home, which then maybe could call a doctor or call for emergency help because something unexpected has happened, that then puts you into the realm of medical devices. And so on both sides of the Pacific, there's 
quite an emphasis on how the life sciences regulators are looking at the creation of medical devices, what constitutes a medical device. And I'm more familiar, of course, with the U.S. regulations here. So one of the areas I've been helping Japanese companies is in thinking through as they look at new applications of different business lines, does this now mean that they can be potentially regulated by the US FDA as a medical device manufacturer? And what does that mean? Because there are all sorts of additional considerations when it comes to how do you maintain and repair some of your technology and your products? How do you interface with customers who are now patients? How do you think about interacting with caregivers. And since I'm actually talking about people at this point, I think another trend to monitor is, and as populations age, you know, in Japan, one of the things that's really on people's mind, I understand, is the population decline, which is also causing some labor shortages. So what we're seeing is that clever, thoughtful applications of AI and medtech can actually improve process efficiency for clinicians and staff, allowing them to really focus on serving the patients using fewer humans for tasks that can be automated. And then you really are able to allow the doctors and the caregivers and the healthcare professionals to focus on interacting in a personal way with the patients. So lots of different trends that we are seeing that interact in very interesting ways. It is very interesting. Thank you, Vinita. And you touched on some of the innovation points in this field, but what are the key innovations driving the development and growth of the medtech industry? One is less invasive technology. So focus on early diagnostics, ongoing disease management in a very easy to use way. You know, so many of us now have wearables in one form or the other, I think that is definitely one of the key innovations. I think this integration of particularly generative AI tools is really revolutionizing healthcare. You know, we've seen so many companies across the tech spectrum focusing on developing AI tools, software, large language models to, to increase productivity, improve patient care, we're seeing biopharma companies using these tools to speed up their innovation processes. So things that maybe took years in the design space are now taking days or hours even. And I think with these innovations, there's also a growing awareness of some of the legal issues associated with them. So one of the things that's always hard to keep in mind is that AI is only as good as, as the training data that it's trained on. And so if you have data that only reflects a small set of the population that you're trying to actually reach and serve, that might be biased. And that might lead the large language model to to make recommendations that don't effectively work for all of the broad patient set that you might actually hope it to help. 
when I'm listening to what you're saying about Meditech field, you know, the legal risk came up to my mind, as you say, is, you know, data and IP and also antitrust, right? So what interesting trend are you seeing at the you know, intersection of data, IP and antitrust globally? This is, I think, the hottest issue in the space. Uh, just around the world, we are seeing everyone grappling with the competitive significance of big data. Because, you know, as we talked about a little bit earlier, one of the most powerful things about these connected medical devices is that you get access to all of this data that you may not have otherwise been able to, to gain through kind of in situ remote patient monitoring. And then as players in the space aggregate data and get more and more data, you see an advantage because they're able to use a much larger and robust data set likely to train their large language models. And so there becomes almost a digital divide between people who have the data and people who don't. And so when you overlay the complexity of privacy and antitrust, it just adds a very other interesting dimension. So on the one hand, if you're thinking about things from a pure privacy perspective, you say, okay, I don't want to share the data with anybody. But then when you think about it from a competitiveness perspective, it's really all about making things interoperable. You want the patient or the consumer to be able to take their data from one system and seamlessly move it on to the next system. Because if you aren't able to do that, then it means that it's very hard for other entrants into the market to, to actually gain meaningful market share. And so that's where we're seeing this interesting push-pull between the privacy-focused regulators and some of the antitrust and competition-focused regulators. And so we're seeing you know, new theories from the antitrust regulators relating to the collection of data from consumers and businesses. Regulators are asking, how often can people access their data? How portable is it? And so it's very important for companies that are getting into this space to think about how easy it is to extract certain data, for people to ask for their data to be deleted, and it changes how you design your product. And so engaging with lawyers early can really help your business get ready for a very uncertain and, and changing regulatory landscape. What can metric companies expect in terms of the regulatory landscape you mentioned, but in, in terms of AI, data privacy and security and you know other key issues? I think that companies can expect to continue to navigate a patchwork of laws and regulations and guidances with respect to AI across the world. I think regulators recognize the promise of AI and they're trying to figure out how to address the different potential risks that are inherent in developing and using AI solutions. And we've seen a couple of different approaches in different countries and jurisdictions around the world. Europe is very much, I would say, an early adopter in the space of new regulations. There's this very complex interplay between 
GDPR, the AI Act, which is the first comprehensive set of regulations for AI. There's the Data Act, the European Health Data Space, and I'm sure more in the works. Um, China has uh, developed draft measures for managing particularly generative AI services. And I would say the US and Japan are, are a little bit more similarly and differently situated. So in the US at the moment, we do not have any comprehensive government regulation of AI. There are some federal, national, non-binding guidances. The White House has a blueprint of an AI Bill of Rights. And then each of the different states has decided whether or not it wants to adopt certain regulations. And as I'm sure the Japanese audience listening will be quite aware, last month, an official close to some of the deliberations in Japan said that Japan was leaning towards softer rules governing the use of AI, something more akin to what we have in the US than what is happening in the European Union because of the focus on looking to technology to boost economic growth and to also perhaps lead to more investment in advanced chips and other kind of technology infrastructure in Japan. And so I think along with this spectrum of different regulation, uh, meta companies can really expect that the enforcement will also increase. So in the US, federal agencies like the Federal Trade Commission are very visibly ramping up their enforcement. They're looking at the health breach notification rules, applicability with respect to health records that are collected by digital health apps. We're seeing enforcement actions against a number of different digital health companies that are processing and using health data in ways that has gotten particular attention from the FTC. We've seen at the state level, the state of Washington, which is where Microsoft and many other tech companies are headquartered, recently enacted an act which is set to take effect in March of 2024, which is designed to provide extra protection for consumer health data that falls outside the scope of HIPAA, which is one of the federal health data focus laws. And of course, I joined today from California, which is always quite active in the data protection space. And there are a number of other states, Colorado, Virginia, Illinois, and others that also have quite protective data security and, and privacy laws. Thank you, Veneta. Lastly, maybe um, as you are the head of med tech practice of Freshviews, do you want to describe a little bit about the firm's med tech practice and why this is relevant to our Japanese clients? Delighted to. So our global med tech practice is a core part of the firm's life sciences team. So our team brings together some of the world's leading M&A partners, capital markets, antitrust, technology, IP, and data protection lawyers. And what's really exciting about what we do is that we really work as thought partners with clients to think about these 21st century issues. And because we collaborate so seamlessly across both practice areas, as well as across jurisdictions, for example, when there are global carve-outs, we are able to really bring to bear so much 
global expertise because from our different jurisdictions, we worked with biopharma tech companies, investors, industrial companies, and regulators. And so we're able to really help craft solutions that work in a global way and are consistent with the client's culture and business goals. Thanks, Vinita. I really enjoyed the podcast with you. Thank you, Takeshi. So, 今回はあの、まあ、メドテックというテーマであのハイレベルのところから入りまして最近の規制のトレンドなんかを説明してもらいましたあのビニータのチームはこのメドテックの分野の仕事ばかりをやっている専門家ですのでまたですねあの新たな動きがあった時にはですねポッドキャストをお送りしたいと思いますしまた新しいトレンド等も出てきましたら皆さんにお届けしたいと思います。今日はありがとうございました